You're hearing the sounds from the music video parody, Condensed Matter Girl, which is based on Madonna's 1984 classic, Material Girl. The playful, high-energy video is set in the Fahad Mahmood lab in the physics department and features appearances by graduate students and professors from the Condensed Matter faculty, all of whom lip sync and groove to the music and lab spaces. Just 12 seconds into the video, a baby appears. That's 15-month-old Asha Mahmood, whose parents, Fahad and Maggie Mahmood, are responsible for a parody that's equal parts educational and empowering to women in science. Maggie, who wrote the song lyrics with support from Professor Smitha Vishveshwara at Fahad Mahmood's lab group, is no stranger to making physics accessible through music parodies. The Baltimore native has been creating similar videos since 2013 and has more recently turned it into a family affair. She and her husband, Fahad, who met 14 years ago while attending Stanford University as undergraduates, came to the Granger College of Engineering in the fall of 2019. Maggie was hired to develop a partnership program between the Illinois Physics Department and high school physics programs across the state, which led to a National Science Foundation funded program called the Illinois Physics and Secondary Schools, or IPASS. Fahad is an assistant professor of physics and a researcher at the Illinois Quantum Information Science and Technology Center, or IQUIST. I'm Daniel Inafuku, and I'm a PhD candidate here at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, and I am pleased to be joined by this creative duo to talk about music, physics, and the important aspect that their connection has on engineering education. Welcome, Maggie and Fahad. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, doing well. Thank you for having us. That's really great to hear, and I'm so pleased that I get to talk to you both today. I'd like to start off by saying how much I enjoyed watching Condensed Matter Girl. Um, it really looked like everyone had so much fun making it. I saw professors Nadia Mason, Angela Koo, and Elizabeth Goldschmidt all taking part. And by the way, I worked with your co-writer, Smitha, on a science art piece before, and she has this really amazing ability to fuse art and science and to reveal their mutual connections. And so I wanted to ask, what was it like working with Smitha and bringing everyone together to film all of this? Well, first, Daniel, thank you for the kind words about the video. We had a blast putting it together. I'll start by saying how I first met Smitha. Fahad told me that there was a person in the department that liked to fuse physics with art. And at this point, in about 2018, I was well into the part of my career where I was interested in creating these music video parodies with my students and had an opportunity to meet Smitha when we were first interested in coming here. So we went out to lunch together and she told me all about this very interesting physics art class that she teaches and also about quantum voyages, which she is very passionate about and uh, again, it's a gigantic collaboration that she is just an artist at pulling together and getting everybody inspired about. So when we came up with this idea to create Condensed Matter Girl, we sent a smattering of emails to a number of Condensed Matter faculty. And Smitha enthusiastically <laughs> replied to this email. She uh, she was very interested in collaborating, not only on participating in being in the video, but also in potentially writing some verses. Now, mind you, at this point, we had actually emailed her, including what we thought was the complete version of the song and asked her if she could take a couple of minutes and maybe just say, uh, we are working in a material world and I am a condensed matter girl. And can you do that? Maybe be in front of a green screen, maybe be in your office talking to a couple of students. And she said, actually, could we meet at Cafe Paradiso tomorrow morning? Wow. And I said, awesome. absolutely. The great thing is that Smitha brought this condensed matter theory approach, right. which wasn't Correct. something that we had represented. We had asked a number students. of students from these lab groups and other condensed matter experimental lab groups to participate, but we didn't have a good theory contingent. So it was very exciting to us to be able to 
to move that forward. We, we brainstormed about some of the foundational moments in her career where she felt like she had a major contribution as a woman in condensed matter theory and tried to then knit those into some of the chorus lines. Yeah, I could just feel her enthusiasm coming through the video. You know, she was wearing that top hat, doing calculations on the table, and I saw her traveling in space, and I saw her, like you said, moving across the screen. So I thought that was really awesome. And um, just to feel that enthusiasm from everyone was a real treat, I think. So before we dive into your history with music, Maggie, can you tell me a little bit about your roles as an instructor and a partnership coordinator here at Illinois Physics? Sure, Daniel. Uh, so if you look me up on the, on the website, you'll find that my title is Secondary Education Partnership Coordinator, which is a very long title. But a shorter way of saying that is that I am supporting developing partnerships between uh, Illinois physics and secondary schools that are looking to develop their physics programs. So before I came to work here, I met Tim Stelzer, who at the time in 2018 was interested in developing a high school partnership program with the department where teachers would have access to <coughs> materials that were research-based and developed here at the university. And those included uh, the IOLAB device, Smart Illinois, uh, and a number of other materials created such as uh, the iClicker, lectures, discussion problems, and it would provide teachers of, uh, of high school physics access to these materials. Originally, this was conceived of as a dual enrollment program, potentially with the university. But what it blossomed into was an NSF-funded program called the Illinois Physics and Secondary Schools Partnership Program, which developed into this really beautiful and supportive community of practice of now 24 teachers throughout the state of Illinois who are interested in sharing their best practices and engaging in discussions about their use of materials developed here at Illinois in their high school contexts. So it's been very exciting to be a facilitator of the professional development that's associated with IPASS and to be able to engage with high school physics teachers once again, because it is something that in my current position I miss. Uh, when I began here, I was an instructor in the 211 lab courses that used the IOLAB device. So I was able to get an uh, understanding of how those devices worked in the college context with our beginning undergraduates in the physics program so that I could convey this to the teachers in, uh, in IPASS. And additionally, uh, I instruct the learning assistance program in physics, the, the pedagogy course that's associated with that. So a lot of my job currently is uh, building out the, supporting building out the learning assistance program where undergraduate students in engineering or, uh, or other fields are supporting in lab and discussion sections in, in physics alongside the graduate uh, teaching assistants. Wow, that's really important work, you know, um, bringing in, you know, things like IOLAB and, and the iClicker into, you know, a high school context. I think that's, that's really cool and I think really innovative. So I think that this really goes to show how, you know, Illinois is leading the way in physics education. Yes, and I, I would also like to add, there are, there are two features to this program that I feel most passionate about. The first of which is the preparation of high school students in physics so that if they were to come to Granger College of Engineering in physics, they would be much better prepared. Uh, or if they were to attend other four-year universities, they would be much better prepared. And having a pathway for that through IPASS is something that we're really lucky to be able to build out through NSF support. And then the other thing that I am particularly passionate about as a former high school physics teacher is the community that it provides. I just remember the feeling of isolation, specifically in the first school where I taught, where I was the only physics teacher there. And I didn't have connections with other physics teachers to talk about practice or build out curricula. I was really on an island, kind of in a silo by myself. And it's just so wonderful to be able to see these <laughs> physics teachers in the professional development program blossoming, sharing, 
and uh, becoming leaders really in this community. If I remember correctly, you said um, there are 24 active teachers um, that IPASS is involved with. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that. I think that's really great. Um, and it sounds like IPASS is doing some really great, important, impactful work. Thank you. Fahad, you're a condensed matter experimentalist. For those unfamiliar, could you give our listeners a brief description of what sort of physics that is and what your particular focus of study is in this field? Uh, sure. So um, as we sort of allude to in the video, uh, condensed matter is always made a little bit of fun of from the other branches of physics, primarily because very few people really understand what it is. Um, you know, as, as we sort of mentioned in the video, Pauli, a famous physicist, he mentioned he called it the physics of dirt to sort of downgrade it. But it turns out it's actually the largest branch of physics. Uh, more than 50% of physicists are in some way condensed matter uh, physicists. And so many of our modern day technology, our uh, devices is based on condensed matter. So it's essentially the study of different materials. It's the study of how uh, electrons on a very small scale interact with each other to produce this sort of fascinating phenomena that we can then sort of control and manipulate uh, in, in useful ways. So for example, our cell phones, uh, the transistors that are in computers, they're all manifestations of condensed matter physics. So my approach in, in condensed matter is to sort of understand what's going on at very small scales, uh, what type of interactions exist between electrons. And because of those interactions, um, how do they uh, organize themselves in interesting ways that can then be useful? So one of the reasons I really like this is condensed matter is really what you know I, I would call uh, more than the sum of its parts. Uh, you know we can always break down a material into small components, and um, you know we can divide it. But ultimately, when you put together all of these electrons together you get this fascinating emergent phenomena that is very different from what the constituent particles were. Uh, so my goal as an experimentalist is understanding what this emergent phenomena is and sort of discovering that using various different types of uh, experimental techniques. Part of the reason I really enjoy doing this is, is just because there are different ways in which uh, new phenomena can emerge and you really never know what you're going to find. Thank you for that great description. And it sounds like Condensed matter physics is a really, really rich area, uh, a subfield of physics. And I really like the applications that you described in terms of how condensed matter physics is applicable to our modern day technology um, and our electronic devices. I think that's one of the uh, areas where physics really shines through, um, where you can apply the principles and they come through and show how it applies to our everyday lives. Um, so I think that's really important work. One thing I also, just to add there, like one thing I also enjoy about condensed matter is, um, and, and sort of related to, you know, our love for telling, uh, our love for making music videos is, is it's a great way to sort of tell stories, right? You, you discover something in a material that you didn't really know what it was, and then you try to highlight the deeper understanding into it. And my deeper understanding might be different from someone's deeper understanding, so I can bring sort of my story into it. Yeah, and I think this ties uh, really nicely into Granger's rich history in condensed matter. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, two-time Nobel Prize winner, uh, John Bardeen won his Nobel Prizes due to his work in condensed matter physics with his work in BCS superconductivity and invention of the transistor. So I think this really ties really nicely into um, Granger's work here. Absolutely. For my next question, I want to take both of you back to your undergraduate days at Stanford, where you met. Um, and aside from pursuing careers in science and engineering, did you share love for music growing up? Did you did either of you ever learn how to play an instrument? Well, Maggie did. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm tone deaf. And this is something I realized at Stanford. I mean, I always thought I could sing. So I, I when I started at Stanford, I was like, oh, there's this cool group called Ragapella, which was this Indian a cappella group. And I, so I grew up in Pakistan and I've always been fond of like, you know, Indian classical music. So I was like, I'm going to audition for Ragapella. Um, and not knowing that I'm completely tone deaf. Um, so I, I this go there. This is as a freshman. This is as a freshman. This is, you know, I, I'm, 
you know, freshman, first year in the United States, I go and I audition for Ragapella and they ask me to sing a song and literally less than 30 seconds and they're like, all right, that was good. Thank you so much. And then I was like, okay. Um, and so it wasn't <laughs> until I met Maggie, who is brilliant and, and I mean, she, she played the cello, she plays guitar, she's good at and she's great at singing that I realize, you know, I think I, I don't really know how to sing. You do perfectly well carrying a tune when you're the only one singing. Yeah, but when of we're singing together in the car, maybe right. along right. to the radio, for yeah. example. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting because it seems like you're a full third above or below what what I am right. singing. Whatever that means. <laughs> 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 so I'm the, yeah, I'm no, the, so I think the you, Yeah, no, I, I, I think that you do have some innate musical abilities. No, thank you. As for me, I grew up, uh, my mother was a music teacher. A music teacher, mind you, for very young children. I really enjoyed playing the cello. I joined the Maryland Youth Symphony Orchestra when I was in high school and uh, did, did some traveling overseas on tour with them, which was really fun. And then singing was another thing that I was I was interested in and largely it was because my older sister was interested in it. I began then experimenting with creating arrangements for for the uh, all-female a cappella group that I was in and, and I found that to be really fun. So what you'll notice in some of my music videos is that I do a lot of harmonizing over my own voice and I think that a lot of that comes from my experience with a cappella and my, uh, my initial interest in creating arrangements. So none of these arrangements that you'll hear in the music videos are written down. Uh, I just kind of improvise them in my head over myself. And just just to add here and, and not to embarrass Maggie with, with other glowing praises, but one thing Maggie's always had whenever when I first uh, we started dating was she always had this ability to sort of tell uh, her story through aspects of music. One really cool thing that she did, uh, I think it was your freshman year and I was a sophomore, um, was she created a, a cello out of a lacrosse stick. So Maggie was also a, a lacrosse athlete at Stanford. Uh, so she took a lacrosse stick and actually converted. This was a music uh, class project, I believe, and uh, it worked. So this was something cool, like how you brought music and fused together music and lacrosse. Yeah, I will yeah. shout out Professor Mark Applebaum in the music department at Stanford <laughs> for running this uh, sophomore seminar called Musical Collisions and Radical Creativity, in which yeah. I had the opportunity to spend some time in the, sh in the shop <laughs> building this really strange looking instrument that actually did work for a time. It's, it's now currently in my home office, but we saved it because it looks cool. <laughs> wow, these are like really awesome stories. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think it's really cool that, you know, bringing together the music side and the science side and using that to express things in a really unique way. Um, I, th I think that's something really, really special. Thank you. So, so let's go back to 2011 when you moved to Boston. Fahad, while you were working on your graduate studies at MIT, Maggie began teaching physics at Codman Academy Charter Public School. Is this when you first turned to creating video parodies to make physics more accessible to your students, Maggie? And can you tell me about your experience making your first video? Yes. So actually a, a year or two passed before I really felt comfortable creating these videos. You'll notice a bit of a gap between when I began and when my first video came out. One of the main drivers of my desire to create something cool and fun for the students is that they, as uh, physics students in Massachusetts, were required to take the MCAS assessment, which is a standardized test that tests your general ability in, in physics based on an introductory physics course. These students also have to take an English language arts test and a math test all in the course of maybe about three weeks. The students get stressed. The students act out. The students are not happy. And if I were a student in their position, I would be pretty upset too. So as a surprise, actually, the first year, I created a video of my own, which I don't know if that video still exists. Uh, I can try to dig it up for you. 
but it was a it was a video to support and inspire the students in taking the MCAS exam. Uh, I think it actually might be on the YouTube channel, the Talk Nerdy video. And you'll notice that the video is only me and then my co-teacher, Tyrell Brewster. And I got him to reluctantly commit to participating in a few of the verses. But when we released it to the students, they were so excited and surprised and motivated. And you'll notice that in the lyrics for that video, we referenced the MCAS, which is that standardized test that they didn't want to take and tried to build up their confidence about how well they were going to do on that. Because it was so well received in following years, we decided to introduce the possibility of students participating in both the writing and creation of these videos, including having students be the voices in the videos and the actors in those. So the first time that I did this with the students, it was really, really challenging because I had built out a system for how I would do it myself in a timeline and how we would progress toward our goals. But dealing with students' schedules and all their after-school activities and trying to find time in the day to make these recordings was hard. So in, in general, the, the number of participants at the beginning of this whole journey was, was quite low. And we would just get a few very committed students to the project participating in really high quality ways. Uh, but what I ended up finding is that if I allowed students to crowdsource their own videos, and sent students out to take three different recordings in three different spaces, maybe in three different costumes and just said, hey, I need three groups to go and do this and come back and then we're gonna upload it into this Google shared folder. The process then became a lot more collaborative and easy for me to manage. And the, the reward of this was just incredible because then the students could see themselves in the video using scientific language in a scientific context. So sometimes they were showing a project that they had created in the video. Sometimes they were working with lab equipment, but to kind of sync up the visual and the lyrics and put the students at the center of that, I think it really was transformative for some of them in seeing themselves in STEM. I see, I see. And I'm, I'm just curious, what was their reaction when they saw themselves in, in these videos? So the debuts of these videos were some of the most exciting times in my teaching career. At Codman, we had a assembly every Thursday morning called Community Circle. And during Community Circle, sometimes administrators will get up and talk about something important that's happening in the school, it is also a time for seniors during the end of the year to deliver senior addresses. And it's just a, a wonderful time of, of community to be present together. Because these videos were created at the end of the school year, primarily, it was also a great opportunity to debut the videos. And we had the whole community, the whole high school community there watching. And just to see the pride on the faces of the students that were in the videos, is something that I, like I said, I have no comparison for it in the rest of my teaching career. It's, it's, the best, it's the best thing you can possibly see is a student that sees their own success and is motivated to, to continue and not just to continue in creating music videos, but to say, hey, I participated in this thing that's not just a music video, it's actually physics or it's actually math or it's actually engineering and, and I can do this. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting start to, you know, the, creating these music parodies and getting the students involved, um, you know, while challenging. Uh, I think that's a really great, great way to interact with them, you know, for everyone to come together and build community. And I, I also want to note that it transformed my practice in the classroom, too. It wasn't distinct from what I do. Like, I, in a sense, became a 
a touchstone for students that were looking to be able to express themselves creatively because they were sort of drawn to me in that way. It also then potentially developed their love for the other stuff that we were doing in class. So it was, it was a way to engage students beyond just that singular experience too. And then word of mouth sort of spreads hey, like in Maggie's class, you can make these cool videos. You do these interesting projects. She makes physics accessible. That makes a lot of sense. You know, we usually think of physics and a lot of STEM classes as at least, you know, at certain levels. Um, you know, you go to your class, you do your homework, you take the required tests, and then, you know, that's it. But to incorporate these creative aspects, I think that's really a unique and fun approach. So why was it important for you to continue expanding on these educational music parodies when you and Fahad moved to your hometown of Baltimore in 2016? Could you tell me a little bit about your role as a teacher at the Park School of Baltimore? And what, what subjects did you teach there? Those listeners that have worked in physics education in high school will identify with what I'm about to say. When you're hired as a physics teacher in a high school, you're often asked to teach numerous other subjects. And the reason for this is uh, largely because there's a shortage of physics teachers and sometimes a shortage of students to take physics. And so depending on the number of preps that you have, administration may look at you and say, hey, you have skills in physics. So those are transferable to chemistry. Let's see, what else? Math, hmm, engineering. You can probably do computer science too. So you get confronted with a lot of different asks and it's not always stuff that you feel comfortable doing. So I, I will say um, just off the top of my head that when I was asked to teach chemistry, I was very intimidated by the idea and was, was actually quite concerned with my ability to convey the subject matter in a coherent manner. Uh, luckily, I had amazing colleagues that helped me along the way, but uh, my primary teaching responsibilities were not that. So I was hired primarily as a physics teacher. And then sometime, I think around the second year, we developed a curriculum for ninth graders called Core 9. And that consisted of an integrated physics, engineering, and computer science curriculum that integrated robotics, work with Arduino, a lot of coding. And again, these are not things that I had ever taught before. And so there was a lot of learning in the moment for me, which I then think helped me to teach the subject matter. So the, the practice of actually having to sit down and even potentially learn something for the first time myself, I think it, it did aid me in supporting student growth in those areas too. And, and to, to develop a, a pedagogy that was sensitive enough uh, to cater to students that also had never done this thing before. Another cool thing about the Park School of Baltimore, it is a school that has built a ropes course in the woods that are adjacent to it. And so if you think about a ropes course, it's actually a great laboratory for doing physics experiments with your body. And part of my work at, at the park school was to work with an incredible team to develop physics experiments or uh, physics experiences in the, in the woods on the ropes course. Oh, I see. What was one of these experiments? The best one, I think, was a projectile motion experiment done on a gigantic zip line. So students were asked, and I was asked when we were creating this experiment, to climb up what I would, I'm thinking back on it, consider a five-story tall tree, <laughs> strapped into a harness, of course, then trust another teacher to strap you onto a gigantic zip line that traversed campus that would then go over a pool. Now in the pool, students were asked to run some, some labs in the class and then extrapolate. So these are sort of micro experiments 
that would then inform a prediction of what would happen in a macro setting. So students were asked to perform some projectile motion experiments such that they would know if they took a ball on the zip line with them, where it could land if released from the zip line in the pool. So there was a group of students that got into the area around the pool, took a hula hoop and placed it carefully mm -hmm. at a measured distance, which was the prediction of the student on the zip line, away from the edge of the pool. Students would drop the ball when the folks at the pool said drop, and then we had video ready to go to capture students dropping the ball, which it was a horizontal release. So this was just horizontal projectile motion. And mind you, these were ninth graders dropping the ball to see if it, how close it would land to their predicted target. And then they would come back to the classroom the following day and do some video analysis in Vernier software to see how their predictions measured up to what actually happened and then we had some interesting discussions about theoretical versus real world data. I've never heard about a, you know, a projectile motion zipline experiment before. And you, since you said this was, you know, ninth graders, I, I was just thinking my nephew is just about to enter the ninth grade. So I'm trying, I'm imagining him, you know, doing this experiment <laughs> in my head at the moment, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Um, and uh, Maggie, while you taught in Baltimore, um, one of your videos was featured on the news. Could you tell me about that? Um, at the time, did you feel like you had made it? Oh, I mean, I still don't feel like I've made it, but it was very exciting, I will say. <laughs> so uh, it got picked up by the media relations person that was affiliated with the park school. And I believe that CBS got word that this video existed. And somebody at CBS was interested in potentially doing a feature on my class, my students, and the process of creating these videos. CBS, the local channel, came to the park school and they interviewed a few of the students. They interviewed me, which was very scary because it was, I had one chance one take to describe my whole teaching philosophy and how this fit within it, which you can see I sometimes have a, a challenge doing, but it was so amazing to see the students then on the news talking about the experiences that they were having in class and how it really supported their, as I said, growth and identity as STEM people. Yeah, and I think that's really awesome, you know, these these sort of budding scientists, you know, working in a creative way, and then they get to see themselves on the news. That's I think that's pretty, pretty fun and cool and something that you don't hear every day. Yeah, that's right. It was it was another one of those moments in my teaching career that that I'll always look back on fondly. And it's it's always when the students just get that light bulb and that that glimmer of excitement in their eyes. That is what I work for. Talking about the music videos, you know, I'm really impressed on your take on contemporary music. You know, you've um, parodied a bunch of different artists. Um, and maybe you could talk a bit about some of the artists that you two both personally like to listen to. Um, just, you know, just to get uh, a sense of where all of your inspiration comes from. Well, these days I was trying to think, what am I listening to these days? And I realized it's mostly the Viggles uh, talking about <laughs> fruit salad for because that's what our 14-month-old uh, daughter listens to. Um, so I'm trying to think, what else have I been listening? Uh, I mean, for me, as I was mentioning earlier, a lot of it is just Indian classical music, a lot of ghazals. Um, this is the stuff I would listen to when I'm working. So none of that, I think, we will be parodying because that would be hard. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's where my musical interests are, which are very different from Maggie's, actually. Right. As you identified, Daniel, I do really love hip hop and rap. And part of that actually began when I became a high school teacher. Uh, right now, I feel like I don't necessarily have my finger as much on the pulse of what is going on in contemporary music as I did when I was in the classroom with high schoolers. I often asked students what are the cool new artists that they were listening to. Cardi B, Lil Nas X, Fetty Wap, Bad Bunny. Those are, those are the artists that were in the parody. 
I was not always the one that chose the song. You have to also remember. So the ownership and the process of creating the videos came so early on. We would do a poll, which often got very out of hand at the beginning of these projects, to ask students, what should we parody? A lot of the songs were really challenging for me to envision how we would parody. And so having that conversation with students was, was difficult. But often it came down to a, a, a few artists, a few songs, and we were able to come to a decision fairly quickly about what would really lend itself to a parody. And often thinking about, okay, what is the hook? What is the chorus? What happens in these verses? And how could they be adapted to science, technology, engineering, math, lyrics? That was a challenge, but it helped us to narrow things down. And, and just to add to that, I think it really helps when you're working with uh, students who can sort of tell you what music, you know, is there out there. Yes. And they're the ones who are, um, well, listening to music, but they also know what uh, they're excited about. Like with this Condensed Matter Girl uh, parody that we did, it was actually my graduate student, Azel Morzabekova, who... I uh, was like, let's parody Material Girl, right? And um, so, and I was like, what, what is that again? Because, <laughs> okay, I, I hadn't heard Material Girl before. I knew Madonna, but I had no idea what Material Girl is. And, and so uh, that's how that song choice came, basically. Yeah, the first thing I thought of when I, um, after watching the video and, you know, looking at the title, I thought it, it tied in in a really fun yeah. way yeah. where, you know, it's about, you know, condensed matter is all about materials and then you have right. material girl. Right. I thought, oh, I see the connection, you know. My graduate students, again, Nina uh, Belinsky and Azel, who I mentioned, they've been thinking about, they really wanted to do a, a music video for this thing that the physics department uh, does every year called Physical Review. Uh, which is the showcase of just like fun acts. This is also something very unique about Urbana Champagne Physics is it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely haven't seen this in the other places I've been, uh, but this used to be a tradition before COVID where um, at the end of the school year, uh, graduate students would put out acts and sometimes they'd fun a faculty, faculty would do acts and there would be an auction. And this hadn't happened because of COVID. So uh, this year they were going to bring it back. And so my graduate students really wanted to do something. And uh, Azel just said, oh, let's parody Material Girl. And that tied in really well to uh, Condensed Matter. Uh, and it was a way of them working with Maggie of just incorporating their lyrics and then bringing in uh, the faculty on board as well. So I'd also like to note that we have done pilot work <laughs> with middle school students at Franklin mm -hmm. Steam Academy oh, yeah. in <laughs> conjunction with IMERSEC and Dr. Pamela Peña-Martin and Nadia Mason in a project called Musical Magnetism. So this kind of gets at what happens when you allow students to choose their own music and put science to it. Before the pandemic had built out this program, it was, it was very exciting. And part of the idea was to put middle school students in small groups allow them to choose a popular song and then change the lyrics to a few verses and the chorus of it. Uh, we got students who were selecting such a wide range of, of music. It turned out really amazingly. And again, especially putting it in a middle school context, we weren't sure how it would go to, to allow the students this much freedom. But I think it really did lend itself to the students getting excited to see themselves on camera in a scientific context. And, and for those who don't know, um, IMERSEC is short for the Illinois Materials Research Science and Engineering Center. And I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking about it now. And I think if, you know, they had a theme song, I think Material Girl would be the perfect theme song for IMERSEC. Yeah. Yes. There, there are definitely a lot of IMERSEC researchers in this music video, you know, uh, Nadia's group, um, Dale and Harlingen's group, uh, my group are all in the IMERSEC itself. And, and so let me bring both of you uh, back to fall 2019 when you both joined the University of Illinois Physics Department um, before the COVID-19 pandemic. And as we all know, the world went through a huge major change in early 2020, and you both had to adapt um, to different teaching practices by moving lessons online. Um, so Maggie, during this time, you created the COVID-19 parody of Smash Mouth's All-Star. 
and you changed it to the title at least to Quarantine All-Star. Could you tell me a bit about that experience and the positive feedback that you received after it premiered on May 5th, 2020? During that time, as you will, as you well remember, everybody was really scared and panicked about what was going to happen with this pandemic. And particularly for students during this time, this was the end of their academic year. They were faced with potentially having, having to take exams online, having to face a full summer of maybe not being able to see their families for some, in some situations. And it was emotional, both for the students and for faculty and staff and, and for everybody uh, across the world. This is where I turned to one of my hobbies. We were stuck at home. We were worried, but we had music and I knew that I had the capability to create a video that might be able to speak to some of the feelings that everybody was having at the time. And the timing was right because it was the wrap up to the semester uh, for my, my learning assistant pedagogy course section and I wanted to do something special for them as I had done in past years for my other, for my high school students. And this was my, the end of my first academic year as an instructor uh, in the physics department. I thought hard about what I wanted to do and it was really a message to the students that it is all gonna be okay and we're all in this together. Somebody once told me a pandemic was coming I didn't buy a word that they said They shut down the U of I Moved the classes all online As coronavirus started to spread But it was very true to the experience of what it was like to be alone and, and part of the artistic license that I took with it was superimposing my voice again like I often do on top of my voice and also superimposing visuals of myself on top of myself over and over again to give the impression of when you're at home and you're alone and you've just been isolated for so long you just start talking to yourself and you just start spinning out and that was the sentiment of the video and i presented it to my students and they went crazy for it they adored it they shared it uh it eventually uh, it got to the administration of the granger school of engineering they shared it, they liked it, and that was extremely humbling for me. Uh, I was really happy with the reception of it, and uh, it, it still, it still gets, gets views and hits, and I think it is because it, it speaks to a shared feeling that we all have about the pandemic. Exactly. And I, I'm so glad that you shared, you know, the trend about, you, you know, the transition from, you know, in class to teaching online and how that was a major change for everyone. You know, admittedly at the time I myself was teaching and um, it was something that I had never gone through. No one had really gone through before. And so making that change was a big challenge, as you said, for both um, the students and the faculty and the staff. Um, and I'm so glad to hear the positive impact that uh, your music videos have been making. And I think it really speaks to the power of that music can have. This is a really positive way to, you know, affect change and, um, you know, just have some fun. Even though it was a stressful time, um, we can use music in a positive way and, you know, connect with people. My next question um, for Fahad, uh, it was around this time that you made your debut in one of Maggie's music videos. And I thought the lyrics for your video research in the MRL, which is a parody of Miley Cyrus's party in the USA, uh, it was so inventive and fun. Um, and how did you integrate both the science and rhythms of the music together? And what was it like to finally make a music video together? Yeah, so I think, um... In terms of integrating the science, the whole idea for this came about because, uh, well, first we were very isolated at home. Um, and through, I mean, taking a step back, throughout that first year, this was basically towards the end of our first year at Urbana, I'd been very busy with uh, trying to get my lab set up, 
all the students were also in their first year starting with me so they had been stressed and so it was a very busy time and I'd always envisioned that by the end of this my first year I was going to throw a lab warming party for um, MRL uh, which is the materials research lab uh, at Urbana in the physics department here just as a way of like thanking them you know, incorporating my students into this and they could get into it and they could learn the wider community here and and just you know thanking MRL the the research staff and then the staff scientists they've been sort of spectacular in helping me uh, going the first year uh, but then COVID happened right so then you're like oh we can't have a lab warming party all my dreams are you know going to and I was like well what can and I was talking to Maggie I was like what can we do to sort of you know do something for for MRL and also have my students involved in sort of a group activity uh, and Maggie as brilliant as she is was like let's make a music video together and I was like oh that sounds like fun uh, we've been spending two months in quarantine with each other so let's have another reason to argue but that's okay we'll uh, we'll, we'll do that so uh, but, the, but it wasn't it wasn't really that much arguing so it was it was a great process um, it had to be done all over zoom uh, because uh, this time we weren't um, allowed to be back in the lab uh, so Maggie did this great thing of like incorporating zoom backgrounds of my lab and then the students on top of it recording and one great thing about this was my graduate students who also been in quarantine um, and they're also sort of struggling and like finding a place and getting started on, on their physics PhDs, um, they could really feel part of the group. And they worked with Maggie to just write down some brilliant ideas, sort of tell their stories of what they wanted to say, you know, issues like sort of inclusion uh, in science and diversity. There's a great line in there about sort of uh, getting tired of physics cliches of why does it always have to be Alice and Bob, right? That was one of my graduate students who's just like, I'm sick of Alice and Bob, right? We need more other names. That, that was great. I think uh, that came through. And I want to give due credit to you for fostering a community in your lab group that then led them to be so enthusiastic about this process and working together and having a vision for this. Yeah, because yeah. while you put it out there to them, they could have easily <clears throat> just have allowed it to wither. But yeah. they took it and ran with it. And you'll hear guitar playing from one of your students, Nina, Nina Bailinski. You'll see all of the folks in your lab group appearing on camera, which is not something that I would have expected to see. And everybody dancing and enthusiastic. And I do think that it was almost as though, and I think you've said this before, you were able to sort of do a virtual retreat with your lab group yeah, yeah. and build a, a true community there. Right. I think it also helps, like one thing it's important as a PhD graduate student in physics is, you know, you can understand all these complex concepts, but unless you can sort of distill it in very simple terms and describing what you're doing, you're not going to convince other people of what you're doing. So it really helps, um, you know, in this music video, at least we just asked the students, describe what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and help them to put this in sort of simple language uh, to tell people um, what their research is like. One of the outcomes of this is that now my family is a bit more familiar with what it is that Fahad does. Uh, since I met of... since I met him, my description of what Fahad does in his lab is that he cools things down and shoots lasers at them. Hmm. And that is the level of description that has been adequate for them. However, now that we've been able to produce these videos, it's become, I think, a lot more clear to them what this research is, or at least they say that it's a lot more clear. Yeah, right. I, I suppose now they know all the details about the different sorts of, you know, spectroscopy techniques that you're using in your lab. That may be slightly overstating, but... Right. And, and so now, you know, I, I hear your current uh, joint project is a parody involving the physics fan, the Illinois department's traveling physics show. Can you tell me a bit more about that and how you got involved with this group and your future plans with it? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, Physics Van, I'm, I'm currently the faculty uh, coordinator for Physics Van. And this all started because previously, uh, Matt Sellen, uh, who's is one of the national teachers of the year, I think, he's a brilliant instructor. Uh, he had been the faculty coordinator, uh, but he retired over a year ago. 
and somehow I got interested in physics, man, because an undergraduate student in my research in my group, Sahaj Patel, who's who's brilliant, he was the undergraduate coordinator, um, you know, during that maths last year, and he was telling me all these cool things that physics man does, and they basically do this traveling show and go to elementary schools and they perform these demos. And I uh, was looking at the demos, and it turns out. All of the demos for Physics Man were created in 1994. What we realize, and, and Maggie can definitely tell you this more, uh, so the middle school is is the sort of the demographic that you want to uh, target if you want to sort of um, bring in more diverse communities into physics, because that is where uh, you see students sort of diverge out into other interests, because you know that's where uh, things aren't maybe taught as well or they just don't see themselves as doing physics or science or going into STEM uh, careers. So I sort of wrote up a proposal as part of my NSF career proposal um, that we're going to create these new demos for uh, now middle school students and incorporating some modern uh, concepts in these demos like for example quantum science and so that career proposal went through and so now uh, together with Sahaj um, I'm working on uh, creating these new demos but then we also realized that uh, it would be great to just sort of update physics man and, and do more um, sort of advertisement and publicity for physics man and that's where the idea of doing another sort of uh, music video came about one of the things we're doing is, is we're incorporating a lot of the the funny uh, anecdotes from past physics man coordinators uh, and so there's a shared google doc with you know coordinators going back to the early 2000s where there's just like adding what they did in, in different demos and so sort of bringing that rich history and then uh, keeping an eye on the future. Wow, that's so awesome. Could you could you describe um, one of the demos that you have planned? So the new demos we're still working through, but some of the fun things that, that we um, always end up doing is, you know, just uh, taking a taking a banana, putting in liquid nitrogen and letting the students like smash a nail with it, which always works really well because now it's super hard. Banana hammer. Banana hammer is what it's called. Uh, the other new demos that we were uh, developing and this we sort of... Um, showcased at uh, and again smitha is again involved i feel like you know she's she's always involved. she's always involved uh but one thing we did with physics man was um at, at the uh, american physical society uh march meeting um this past march this high school in chicago put this um event called the physics fiesta where uh, smitha was actually one of the leading uh, organizers of this event and it was open to about 200 300 students uh, from the Chicago area uh, and physics man put together some acts in that and one of the acts was a Star Wars scene where they would take lasers and, and blow up different balloons to show which colors are absorbing which colors are not absorbing uh, there was an Iron Woman uh, scene in there where um, Nina basically put on a jacket made of magnets and then Sahaj held a, this window with like magnetic filings and oil to see the magnetic patterns uh, so those were both two new demos that um, we haven't yet done in the physics van, but now we're going to thinking about that was the first debut of those demos, but we're going to like showcase them in schools as well. I'm, I'm really excited. I, I hope that I get to see one of the demos someday. <laughs> Watching your collection of videos from over the years, it's clear that, you know, everyone's having a really awesome time. But there's also another aspect to all of this, and that's making physics accessible to your students and to anyone watching. Can you describe um, the educational value and the connections you're making with secondary and college students with these parodies? Sure. So I always think about my first experience with physics, which was asking my parents about it when I was young. And both of them took different career paths, they're not physicists or engineers or really involved in STEM at all. Uh, but they told me about intimidating and challenging experiences that they had when they were first introduced to physics that then led them to drop it and not want to deal with it. And that's a scary thing to hear as a child. And it's not just them. This is a, a common story of intimidation and fear that a lot of young children hear about physics when they're first confronted with the idea of learning it. And one of our big goals is to break that stereotype, shift the way that children, young adults 
folks in the undergraduate community, graduate students, everybody think about physics and learning physics. And it's challenging because this stereotype about it runs deep. So putting physics in an accessible medium like music, engaging individuals that wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity or interest to engage with it at all, that is something that we are motivated by. My family, for example, my parents, they don't really know physics and are very compelled by these videos. And they tell us that they, they do learn something important and significant about it and are motivated to understand it. And if it works for them and they're very concretized in their non-STEM identities, we think that this is a, a medium for maybe greater development in for middle school students, high school students, graduate students. Graduate students. Yep. It's an opportunity for folks to see physics in a, in a new light and even potentially to get involved when it's not something super comfortable for them. And just, and just to sort of see like who is doing the physics, right? That's it's right. not just what they think about and uh, it, 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 you know, different people can do uh, physics. There are different ways of communicating physics. I think one of the things that uh, students really challenge or struggle with is like, oh, I'm having a hard time understanding it. They are understanding it. It's just that maybe they're not communicating it or they're not understand. Maybe they've been intimidated by in school or something that their understanding of it doesn't match well with like the understanding of their professors or their teachers. And this is what I sort of highlight to my students all the time is there are different ways of understanding it, right? What whatever story you want to tell by understanding a particular experiment may not be the same as the other person. You're probably going to arrive at the same conclusions, but it's okay if you describe it in your own way. And so this is what I think at least these music videos help is when I, my graduate students are coming with these ideas, they're open to just like thinking and communicating whatever they're thinking. So I think um, that, that really helps. Getting back to the crux of our philosophy for condensed matter girl as mm -hmm. well, representation matters so much in STEM. Yeah. Students and non-physics students being able to see themselves in the videos is very important. And if you go back to some of my earliest works, you will see students primarily from underrepresented groups in STEM participating in a leadership role in these videos. Um, and and this, is, this is something that I think is important, not just to the students in those videos, but to other students that may watch them. Yeah. And that's why I've just sort of circling back to what we very start, started with is it was so good to have Smitha on this, yes. Um, yes. sort of bring in the condensed matter theory aspect of it, because there are so few, there are very few condensed matter experimentalist uh, female faculty and students, but there are even fewer condensed matter theory uh, female faculty or, or students. And so seeing Smitha being so involved with this was just amazing. And getting to the idea of representation um, that you both bring out, I think you hit it exactly on the head. You know, I what I found is that, um, you know, a lot of people from marginalized identities uh, are often, you know, turned away from different different fields, not because they don't have an interest in the field, right. um, but also just because they don't feel like they're welcome in certain spaces. So to have these videos bring people together and to build community um, and helping people to express themselves, I think is, is an excellent way of, uh, you know, fostering community and bringing people together. And I think that it's really, really important work. Um, and I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, and uh, like you said, Fahad, you know, you know, explaining, you know, different concepts at different levels. You know, like when I watch the video uh, Condensed Matter Girl, like I'm not a, a condensed matter experimentalist, so I don't know anything about in-lab techniques um, but, you know, I was watching the lyrics and listening to the music and I, I, I you know, I even I picked up on certain things that I, I didn't previously know about. So I thought that was really cool. I think it's really important work. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, thank you, Daniel. Thank you. And so 
For those unaware, where can we find your videos? So I, I do have a YouTube with all of the videos that we've mentioned in this podcast. And at this point, I think it's connected to my Gmail, my personal Gmail. And for those of you who'd like to uh, read this interview, um, attached to the link of the podcast will be an accompanying transcript. Thank you so much, Maggie and Pod, for joining me today. And thank you for all of the important work that you do. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much for having thank us, Daniel. Working in a material world. Working in a material world. Working in a material world. Working in a material world.